Okay, take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 3, please. Return to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. All right, uh, preachers often use illustrations to try to, uh, or examples to make a point, to make things uh, obvious. Illustrations are supposed to make things clearer, right? So we can take something that we uh, don't understand and use something we do understand to make it clear. Uh, I've heard it said that window, or illustrations are like windows, because they let the light in. In a dark subject, they let the light in. So the illustrations are like windows. I've heard it said that illustrations are like handrails because they lead you down the path of truth. And so uh, these are, actually I just gave you two illustrations of illustrations is what I did. Uh, windows and handrails are illustrations of what illustrations are supposed to do. And often we use illustrations in our preaching. I brought up here uh, uh, a board a couple of times here. I showed uh, the heights of the kids in our, in a, if, you're, if we're not growing, that's the uh, illustration. If we're not growing spiritually, there's a problem. If we're not growing physically, there's a problem. That's an illustration. And so he, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews, and here the author of Hebrews uses a great illustration, a great example. It runs through the book of Hebrews, but especially here in the early chapters, a great example. One of the great themes of the book of Hebrews is this great example. And so the last time we studied Hebrews, we talked about that Hebrews was written to an immature audience, an audience of believers that ought to be teaching, but they had need to be taught again. They had, they're not progressing. They're not moving down the path. They're not moving the needle. They're not uh, walking forward in their faith. And so that's the target audience for the book of Hebrews. And the great warning of the Hebrews is that it's possible for a child of God to become stagnant, to come short, uh, to not really reach their potential, to not do all that God wants them to do. And that's a great warning. And here now he's going to give this great example to help us understand this warning. He directs our attention back to the Old Testament nation of Israel. Often an illustration, and we're going to look at that today in Hebrews chapter 3. So let's have a word of prayer. We'll read some scriptures to begin. Heavenly Father, I pray you help us today to see uh, our lives in light of the example of Israel. And Father, help us put aside everything and see what you want us to see today and learn what we want to learn and, and to grow in those areas. And Lord, if, if it be us today that, is, that are falling short, if we're not progressing like we should, if we are people who ought to be teachers and have been needed to taught ourselves again, Lord, I pray you reveal it to us in your spirit through the power of your word today in this message. In your name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3 will begin uh, in verse number 7. We several verses, lengthy passage here. Just to, to point out, if you begin, the first word is wherefore, and then it goes into a, a, a parenthetical uh, part there. So several verses are, are in parentheses. That doesn't mean it's unimportant. It just means it's a, it's a a thought in between. And so you could take it out and it would still make sense. So if you read chapter 3, verse 7, wherefore, and skip down all the way to verse 12 uh, after the parentheses, it would say, wherefore, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That's the main thought. He said, take heed, listen up, pay attention, that not in you an evil heart of unbelief. And then he puts in there this example. Let's read chapter 3, verse number 7, straight through. Wherefore, 
as the Holy Ghost saith. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers, he's pointing back to Israel, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. Listen to that statement. I was grieved. God said, I was grieved with that group of people. I was grieved with that generation of people and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my way. So I swear in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. Wow. And imagine standing face to face before God and God saying, you've grieved me enough. You will not enter into my rest. Strong words. That's the example in Hebrews. Look at verse 12. We'll pick it up. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Here's the point. You could be the same. That, that's, that's the idea. You could be like, God could look at you and say, I'm tired of it. I'm done with it. There's an evil heart of unbelief in you. You're not going to enter into my rest. That's, that's the idea here. It's a pretty big thought. Look at verse 13. Be but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, again, it repeats itself, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. So not, not everybody, most of them, but not, we know that uh, Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. So not all of them, but there's a couple of them that, that followed through. Verse 17, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned? And here's another strong phrase, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. And to whom swear he that they would not enter into his rest, but unto them that believe not. And here's the sum it up. So you, so you see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Powerful passage of God's word here. So let's kind of digest this a little bit and see what it means to us today. Number one, we're talking about the unbelief of God's people. At the very root of the problem here for Israel, of God's people, back in the Old Testament illustration that the Bible uses, was unbelief belief. We see that down, way down verse 18 and 19, if it sums it up, you see. So this is, this is it. You see, here's the point. They could not enter because of their unbelief. They didn't trust me enough. They didn't believe God enough to enter into the rest. They would not trust me. So the first problem was the unbelief of the people of God. God had rescued them from bondage out of Egypt, right? They're in 400 years as slaves and God rescued them, led them across uh, the Red Sea and, and saved them out of that bondage. God was leading them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. So there's the presence of God and God was leading them and directing them. And Israel did not have enough faith to follow God all the way into the promised land. They had enough faith to get across the Jordan, uh, the Red Sea. They had enough faith to get out of bondage. But they didn't have enough faith to get into the promised land. They fell short. They came up short. That's the message of Hebrews. That's the warning for you. And this is the illustration. God wanted them in the promised land as much as he wanted them out of Egypt. Just as important. Hey, out of Egypt is wonderful. Out of Egypt is a picture of salvation. 
I'm so glad uh, I'm saved. I'm so glad I don't worry about my sin. I'm so glad I don't have to talk to God about, uh, you know, worry about someday answering for my own sin. That's been taken care of by Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. That's God's, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's plan. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But just as much as God's plan is to get you out of Egypt and get you out of bondage and get you out of pain for your own sin is that he wants to get you into the promised land. And I want you to understand, the promised land is not heaven in this illustration. If you're out of bondage, you will be in heaven. <laughs> that, that goes together. When you're saved from your sin, that gives you a home and eter eternal life with the Lord. Those go hand in hand. But there is a, a, a life in between that we live. After I got saved when I was 11. I'm going to die, hopefully not for a while. But sometime, there's, there's a span there. And that part, I can live in victory in the promised land or I can live wandering around. That's the point. That's the illustration. And God wants you to be saved and he wants you to have victory. But they didn't have enough faith. And if you look at the verse, look at verse number 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Brethren, listen to me. It's possible for you to have an evil heart of unbelief. It's possible for you not to have enough faith to take that next step, to take the next step, to take the next step. God is not done with you just when you're saved. There's so many more steps of faith that go. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so our whole life is a life of faith. But it's possible for us to have an evil heart of unbelief and depart and not follow the living God. So we see here the unbelief of God's people. In the Old Testament, and maybe today in our life, we see the unbelief of God's people. That's what we're supposed to see. Israel, us. Israel, us. Number two, the unbelief of God's people led to the hardness of God's people. See, an unbelieving heart led to a hard heart. Over and over again, they stopped. They wouldn't trust the Lord. They murmured. They complained. And, and finally, God had enough, and their heart was hardened. The word hardened is used several times in this passage about a hard heart. Hardened does not necessarily mean a mean spirit. You think, oh, he's a hard old man. It means he's a mean spirited. Hardened, that word hardened in the Bible doesn't mean that. It means stubborn. You can be stubborn, but nice. You can be stubborn and content. Stubborn just means that you're going to do your thing. Israel refused to move forward. As much as God wanted to keep leading them out of bondage, cross the Red Sea, to Mount Sinai to get the law, and through the wilderness uh, to the promised land, they fell short. They would not follow. I want to introduce you to somebody. On the screen is a picture of my, one of my grandpuppies. This is Shelby, all right? Shelby's one of our grandpuppies. We have two grandpuppies. We love them both equally. We're not trying to play favorites. <laughs> one is Winnipeg, one's here in St. Thomas. So this is Shelby. And in the summertime, I would try to take Shelby for a walk. And I would say, you want to go for a walk? She'd get all excited. That, the tag would start, her, her tail would go wagging. She'd be all excited. I'd get the, her little harness out there, and I'd put it on her, and I'd get the leash out, and we'd start down, and we'd be going for a little bit, and then she would just kind of stop. Now, beagles are known to be stubborn breeds. 
And she'd stop. And I'd and, and say, come on, Shelby, this is good. We're, this is good. If you know Shelby at all, she needs to go for more walks than she's going on right now. She, she definitely does. She has a little weight issue. So we think it's a thyroid problem. We're not sure. <laughs> she's big boned, yeah. yeah. She's big boned. <laughs> anyway, so I, I get her going. And she's stopping. She's looking at me. I was like, no, come on, Shelby. And I, get, I encourage her. Like, come on, come on. You can go on a pull leash a little bit. And she'd go down a little bit longer. And she'd stop. And I say, come on, Shelby, let's go, come on. I'll do a little run, you know, I'll do all this. I'm sure my neighbors are looking at me like, what an idiot. Like, so I'm, I'm trying, and eventually we get down the road a little bit, and she would stop. And she'd just look at me. And I'd pull her, and she'd stop. And she wouldn't go forward anymore. You know, after a little bit, you know what, you know, guess what I did? No, I said, you're done. You're not going on a walk. We're going home. And I turned her around, I took her back home. She missed out on the walk. She missed out on the exercise. She missed out on everything. It would have been fun. She, she, she enjoyed the idea of it. She really did. And she still does to this day. She enjoys the idea. And we think, we're hoping it was the harness. The harness, maybe next summer we'll have a better luck with the, the walks, all right? And uh, she enjoyed the idea, but when it came down to it, she wouldn't take the next step. And eventually, I had enough. I said, walks over. I took her back and I finished the walk myself. And so that illustration is to teach us that's what God was doing with Israel, right? Come on, we're going to go to the promised land, but we have no water. Well, here's some water. Okay, here's, some, here's your water. We have no food. Well, here's, here's the food. Like, come on, come on, come on. It's good. If you just get over there, it's good. The, the spies go in, they come back. Boy, it's really good in there. There's all oh, so many wonderful things in there. It's the promised land. You think about that. Think about what their 400 years in Egypt was like in slavery, sitting around the fire at night talking about someday God promised to your father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob a beautiful land that someday we as a people will live in. If, if God keeps his promises, this is all, we know this is going to happen. And this generation is living the promise that they talked about. And they're, the Bible says they're one step away from that and they would not go the next step. And God says, okay, you're not going to go. Let's go back. You enjoy the idea of it. You thought it was a good idea. We all enjoy an idea of like, you know, living the spiritual victorious life and, and, and God's blessing. And even when things are bad, I can trust the Lord. And I know it's not going to be perfect, but it's me and God against the world. And it's, you know, it's, you know me facing my Goliath and I can handle it all. We, we like the idea of that, but are we willing to take the step to get there? Israel wasn't. That's the warning. And so some of you, and sometimes I'm not willing to take that step to get to that blessing. That's the warning. The hardness of God's people. And so we're warned in verse 13 about the hardening of heart. Exhort one another, encourage one another, because you could be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will deceive you, and you would be you could be falling into the cycle of unbelief and stubbornness and not even realize it. That's why we have exhortation at church and encouragement among the brethren to, to say, hey, let's move forward. I'm telling today that there are some people that sit in our congregation week after week after week that need to move forward. You need to take another step. And we sit here and we get comfortable and complacent and stubborn. And we harden our heart and God's got something more for us and something more for us and something more for us. That's the exhortation of the Word of God. 
don't let sin deceive you. The Israelites got deceived by the, all the, there's giants in the land and there are big cities in there. We can't do that. And God says, that's right, you won't do that. You know the rest of the story? Afterwards, he said, okay, okay, we'll go up. We'll, we'll go do it. And he tried to go, God said, I'm not with you. Don't go in. He had, God says, I've had enough of you. You won't go forward. That's the war. And, and this is what the author of Hebrews uses to illustrate to you and to me of what we can be on our growth and walk with the Lord. There could be a time in our life where we just like keep dragging our feet and God has something more for us. Are you at that point where there's another step to take? So here's lastly. The unbelief of God's people, the hardness of God's people, the wandering of God's people. So in the story of Israel, God led them to the place of Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was a spot just outside the promised land where the spies went in. And Israel as a nation lacked the faith to move forward, and they hardened their hearts, and that's when God said, okay, it's enough. And God in his judgment says, your punishment will be wandering. Just wander around. Just go. Have at it, 40 years, until all this generation passes. The generation that could have been the generation of promise now becomes a generation of wandering. You ever get frustrated when, you, as a parent, your child doesn't reach their potential? Oh, they could do so much better. They could, if they just applied themselves, and God looks down and says, Israel, you are the chosen generation to go into the promised land, and now you're going to be the wandering generation. And your carcasses are going to die in the wilderness. Look at verses 17. Verse 17. But with whom... Was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom he sware that he would not enter in the rest, but to them that believed not? So we see then they could not enter because of their unbelief. I want you to understand this. God still provided for them, even in the wilderness. They still have manna, still have water. The Bible says their shoes didn't we're out. Can you imagine the younger generation coming up? They watched their parents and grandparents wander and die in the wilderness, but God still provided their every need. That, what a lesson for the younger generation coming up, seeing that even though we're wandering around here, not going anywhere forward because of knowing the whole story, but God still provides for us. Knowing that when I get to the promise, when, when it's our turn, when it's my chance to cross into the promised land, I'm not going to make the same mistake my parents made because my God will provide all my needs and I'm going to go in. And they did. And they did. God provided their needs, but they never enjoyed the blessings of victory. And so the reason this illustration is in Hebrews is that we're supposed to see ourselves in the example of Israel. How do you fit in the story? Where do you put yourself? This is a message for today. In fact, it says that in verse 15. Today, today, don't, today, don't harden your hearts. As in the provocation, the day that they provoked God in the day of temptation. Don't, don't do that. That day when they provoke God and God says, you're not going to go in. In my wrath, you will not go in. Don't do that. Today is your day. God does not want you to be in bondage. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He has provided a way for you to be out of the bondage of sin and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
He doesn't want you in bondage. But if you are here today and you're already saved and out of bondage, God wants you to live a victorious Christian life. It's not a perfect life. Hey, life in the promised land wasn't perfect, was it? They had to fight battles. They even lost a battle. There was sin. There was problems. It wasn't perfect, but it was a life of promise and following God. They followed God's man. They followed God's leading, and they had victory in the promised land. God wants us to live in victory, pictured by the promised land. But there's a middle ground of wandering. I'm afraid many Christians live in that wandering place. They're saved. They're excited about the idea of following God and, and living for God. And we talk about you know, that, what God's will for my life is. And, and, you know, and we go to church and we, and we do all these things. And, and there's an excitement about that. But when it comes time to take those steps of faith that are hard and difficult, when you have to stare down a giant and you have to stare down a, a, a big decision, or even a decision that you, doesn't it be a big decision, a decision that just goes against what you want. Sometimes we make these big these decisions like, you know, the decision is that you got to sell all your, your property and move to Africa. No, no, no. The decision may be you need to start serving in a ministry of the church and put aside what you're feeling and put aside some of your time and dedicate some time each week to a ministry. Or, or maybe it's a financial thing where God's saying, I want you to start giving some money toward missions, and, you, and we struggle with that. Or, or tithing, or giving, or serving. I, I, don't, I can't tell you what your step of faith is. I can, tell you, I can honestly tell you this. Your life of following Jesus Christ is step of faith after step of faith after step of faith after step of faith. And it will not end. It only ends when you, stop, when you start saying no, no, no. And we, in our unbelief, harden our heart. And I've seen so many believers just kind of filling their time on earth, wandering around. Oh, God still provides for them. God still blesses them. They're good people. Some, and I say they, sometimes it's me. <laughs> I can look at my life and say, when have there been times in my life where I wouldn't take that step or didn't take that step that God wanted me to take? That's, that's the lesson. They lack the faith to move forward, and they sentence themselves to a life of wandering. So really, I see it this way. There's two choices. Are you willing or are you wandering? That's what, which one are Are you willing to move forward or are you wandering? Because if we're unwilling to move forward, then, then we just stand around and wander, and we just fill time. We just fill time. So where are you in your journey? Are you... Do you want God to call you forward? Are you looking for that next step of faith? Are you saying to the Lord in the morning, Lord, I am willing. I don't want to be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. God, keep me tender and show me what you want me to do next. Are you wanting? Are you wondering what the next step of faith is? Or are you wandering away from God? What is it, Lord? What's next? What do you got for me? How, how can I be a blessing to my family? How can I be a blessing? How can I help other people? Lord, what's next for me? I'm excited about this journey you have me on. And if there's giants there, so be it. And if there's a, a, a health issue there, so be it. A financial strain, so be it. With you, I trust you. I have the faith to continue to move forward. But Israel did not. And that's the point of this passage, because it all comes down to, at the very end, verse number 19 again, so we see then, they could not enter because of unbelief. In the beginning of that, verse number 12, take heed, lest it be in you, 
an evil heart of unbelief. Is there an evil heart of unbelief that causes you to harden your heart against God that leads you to this going through the... Do you feel like maybe in your, in your spiritual life you're just kind of going in circles? Hey, I know this is, doesn't feel like winter. It's winter time. You ever been stuck in the snow and you're just spinning your tires and not going anywhere? You ever feel that way spiritually, just kind of spinning your tires? I can't tell you the, the solution to that other than ask yourself, is there a step of faith that you need to take? Ask the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to get out of this rut. I'm willing to get out of spinning my tires. Show me the step of faith and I'll do it. Show. God will show you. God doesn't want, God was leading Israel by a fire and a cloud. It was pretty obvious where he wanted them to go. He'll make it obvious to you. And if right now you're saying, no, I'm, I'm willing and ready to move forward. And right now God wants me to just keep doing what I'm doing. Praise the Lord. Don't let the evil heart of unbelief build up in you. But if not, you feel like that I'm just kind of spinning my tires, I'm just kind of wandering around, ask yourself, Lord, show me the next step of faith. Don't be like Israel and wander. Get into the promised land and let God bless you and show you wonderful, wonderful things. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? The challenging example that the Bible gives us. Where do you see yourself today? Are you like Joshua and Caleb ready to say, no, if that's what God wants me to do, I'll do it. <laughs> there ain't nothing that God would ask me to do that I wouldn't be willing to do. You just got to show me. And God, if that pillar of fire goes there, that's where I'm going. And that's where I am in my Christian walk right now. And I'm excited and I'm living in victory. Yes, there's problems. Yes, it's not easy. If that's you today, I praise the Lord. But maybe today you say, no, I find myself more like not knowing. I'm just kind of wandering around. I'm not sure what's next. I, don't, I feel like I'm just kind of spiritually just spinning my tires. And Again, that's not up to me. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But this passage is pretty clear that we need to be willing to do and wondering what God wants us to do, not wandering away from God. So today, maybe it's your chance to say, I will not be like Israel. I will not have a, un, an evil heart of unbelief. I'm not going to harden my heart. If God's dragging me forward, I'm willing to go forward. Lord, show me today. I hope that's your heart today. Heavenly Father, as a church, we come before you. But as individuals, we need you. Father, I pray that in our congregation, you would show each of us where we are on this journey and what's next for us. Lord, we know that if we would learn to follow you and hear your and follow your leading, wonderful things are waiting for us. And the idea sounds so good to us. But Lord, I pray in those moments of faith that our flesh would not take over, that we would not harden our hearts we'd have the faith we need to move forward. Help us to learn from this example that you've given us. And Lord, help us to move forward by faith. In your name we pray. Amen.